0: Welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they are really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of Harry Potter and any good book that's going to make me
1: cry. And I'm Nicole, also a lover of Harry Potter and all the historical fiction I can get my hands on. So, we
0: actually, for the first time in months, you wouldn't know this, but it is one week after the last time we recorded we are on track we're again recording yes it is uh, something to celebrate um and in our vein of remembering what we're drinking tonight we are drinking a dark and dry cider this evening good. and it kind of looks like the color of beer it's actually really like good an amber yeah beer. it's good yeah. um in this last week what else have you been reading
1: um well i didn't really read anything besides this book up until yesterday where i started a book you lent me crazy rich asians by kevin kwan that's mm-hmm. the author's name yeah right? and um and i'm like three quarters of the way through that and i and i really like it i haven't seen the movie have you seen the movie no no i was waiting to read the book and the book is really good do you, you've read it right yeah i like is the it book. like is it a trilogy like there's a cliffhanger or is it just three books that go together
0: I don't remember. I don't... Because
1: I don't want it to be a cliffhanger. I just want I to read I
0: started one. the second one right after. I can't remember if I did that because... There was a cliffhanger. There was a cliffhanger or if I did it because... You liked it. I liked it.
1: Well, I like it. It's good. It's a fun, like, light, modern read. I asked Chelsea to give me some borrow some books because I need to read like a certain number of books in December to hit a hundred books for the first mm-hmm. time. And so I was like, these are fast. Like give me some modern like yeah. books that are going to read really quick. And I did read three quarters of that in one day. So that's what I'm looking for this month. <laughs> I know speed.
0: <laughs> I'm disappointed because I, for the first time in four years, <sighs> I'm probably not going to meet my Goodreads goal because I need to read 10 books in December to get to 100, which is totally achievable um, because I go on break and then I have eight days where I can just read. But I would need to read 30 to get to 120. Which was your goal. (laughs)
1: That's a little unrealistic. And I like, I just, I'm so mad. We talked about it last episode of how I wanted to do it. I just don't think it's going to happen. There's always next year. I feel like the only reason, my highest before was 77. I'm only hitting 100 because I never set a goal. And then it's only because of the podcast. Because every week mm-hmm. in between the podcast book, I try to speed read another book. And so that, that leaves two books yeah. a week. And that's 100 books. But it's, um, I bet next year I'll be like, I got to hit 100 again. And I won't do it. It's, just, I,
0: it's a fluke. I <laughs> um, I did. And maybe the stars will align. I did maybe, like, reserve a shit ton of uh, graphic novels from the library. (laughs) I was like, I could read five of those in a day. It's a graphic (laughs) novel.
1: Maybe, I mean, we're still trying. Yeah, that's legitimate. Uh, I feel like you should just try, try to hit 120 before you have a baby. Because then you probably won't forever. you won't read as high at least for a few years. Yeah. So I just think you know you've got a year or two more before you start trying to have a baby. Keep
0: trying for 120. So you Keep sk- throwing yeah, it out into the universe.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But also I have a problem where I don't I'm incapable of choosing short books. So the book I'm yeah. reading right now is Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson. It's not in his Cosmere like his big epic fantasy um, world. It's a different series by him that's about like superheroes gone wrong essentially like 10 years ago in the world something happened and all these people got superpowers but it also makes you lose your humanity to have the superpowers Oh,
1: that's good it's really good Um, like a dark incredibles
0: but of course yeah (laughs) but of course um three of them there's three books they're all like 350 pages because i
1: i mean i had you loan me those books to read fast books but for anybody else, those, all those books are four hundred plus pages that you gave me, both. Yeah. Of them. So it's like for another person that wouldn't be fast read. Just for me, because, I know. Because compared to the seventeenth century book I'm reading for the podcast, they really fly. You know? That's.
0: I also uh, got the whole Narnia series in one book because I was like, that's seven
1: books I could read in two days <laughs> easily. Yeah.
0: So you know, I'm doing some things
1: to try and make it happen. <laughs> that's so great. I, um, I know maybe for my 2019 reading goal, I should try to read that huge brandon
0: sanderson yeah or at least try the first one and make sure you should should do it um but what did or what did i have it in front of me listeners this week we read a book called fear of flying book 36 it was book 36 by erica jong it was written in 1973 she's an american author um and it was again it was 425 pages so it was a a fast this was a fast yeah thanks so what we are gonna do now is our one word description
1: um my one word isn't one word so you go first
0: <laughs> my one word description is psychoanalysis
1: good my um three word description is the feminine mystique because this book I uh, have you ever read the feminine mystique Mm-mm. by Betty Friedan so no. I read that in college for fun when I was kind of having my feminist awakening uh, and this book definitely feels like that book, the same type of book for women, but it's a novel instead mm-hmm. of a nonfiction, 20 years later, like yeah. 50s to 70s, because uh, definitely the f- central theme of the book is basically that's what is identified as the feminine mystique in that original book in First the 50s book. Okay. Um, of, of women feeling like... I can't have it all like you know like I, I'm being pulled in a million directions and have all these expectations and it's hard to be the whole person I want to be because of those expectations yeah like that's the mystique, and that's what this book is about so nice um a quick plot of this book in one sentence is that Isadora goes to an analyst convention with her husband and what starts as an affair leads to a deeper dive into what it means to be a woman in the 1960s
0: yes And so we're going to get into spoilers now. So if you don't want to be spoiled for this plot of this novel, tune in um, after you look at the time stamp in our show notes. And we're doing a really fun extra segment today about would you rathers of books. So you probably want to come back. Yes.
1: So the first thing I want to say about this book is that this is the first book that isn't like a... Really well-known classic that we've read for the podcast. That I told my mom. I was like, she was like, oh, what are you reading for the podcast this week? And I was like, Fear of Flying. And she's like, oh, Erica Jung? like she immediate, knew it. yeah, because she remembers when this came out when she was in high school and, and remembers reading it and it and it being like a big deal. This book was a touchstone, a cultural touchstone in its time. Um, which I was like, oh, like that's super fun, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like because I think these ones that are more recent, it's always like is it going to stand the test of time? Is it too Mm -hmm. soon to say? But this was for someone who was alive at that time. It was cool that it still rang a bell. Like that would be like if in 30 years we were like, yeah, crazy rich Asians. Yeah. And I don't know if we will be, you know, but it's cool that she still held on to this book (laughs) in her mind.
0: It was also cool in this book. There were a lot of references to Simone de Beauvoir, Who we just read. I don't know. Yeah. That's how you say it. We decided. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) And there were a lot of references to her, and there were a lot of references to other authors and writers of that time frame um, mixed in a lot. So that yeah, because cool. the
1: main character is definitely – she's a writer, and she's mm-hmm. bookish. This book is, I would say, semi-autobiographical. I read the afterward <laughs> by her that, yeah. that, she, that she wrote 30 years later. And it also
0: yeah. had some throw-ins to –
1: Um, stuff about, like, Nazi Germany. Yeah, once again, also, like, a book about Nazism and communism. Yes. Every book. And then it also (laughs)
0: had a lot of information about, like, how psychoanalysis was a big thing in the like 60s because this book was written in the 70s but it was based in the 60s yeah because
1: it was autobiographical so she's look, kind yeah. of looking back at her own past a and, fictionalized version of her past
0: so uh it had a lot which is why i put that as my word but also because this book was a lot about her discovering things and like really analyzing her psyche and deciding what yeah. she wanted so
1: um let's so-, so yeah i was really interested in that so because the the premise big part of the book is that her and her husband go to this co- uh, convention in vienna because mm-hmm. all the analysts like uh, freud original freud's original followers left vienna during wo- before world war ii right so, they wouldn't, get so they wouldn't get killed and um and now it's like vienna's trying to welcome back that community right mm-hmm. and have this big convention and like freud's daughter is speaking at it and stuff freud's dead but and then she talks about how basically since she was a going through puberty she's been seeing an analyst like all these mm-hmm. years and it's interesting to think that a that was like your only option for mental health counseling yeah and b she's like frustrated because it's always a male analyst mm-hmm. that she's seen um though in that simone de Beauvoir book the main character was a female analyst in, yeah. the same t- in an earlier time period so they existed but obviously rare and that freud is like in a lot of ways discredited now Mm -hmm. because of the stuff that he said about women (laughs) that that he like women patients would come to him and say that they were being sexually assaulted and there was incest and he and he rather than believing him he said these upstanding men in the community can't be committing incest so you just must have like a um be obsessed with penises Mm -hmm. and that and it's, it's a lie right and so now even though a lot of still to this day what we base psychology on is freud a lot of it i think is not real, you know? Yeah. And it was a lot of not believing women when they tell things
0: because all those analysts that she had went to were part of that, like Freudian, like generation, like they all gave that kind of advice. Um, and had talked a lot about, you know, like penile infatuation. And I'm just going to say, not that anybody I think listens to this episode with their, this podcast with their children, but this would be an episode not to listen to (laughs) with your children. Uh, Dirty book. (laughs) It was a very dirty book. Like this is, not dirty for this book right now um so a lot of it was about um yeah
1: and I was interested in that part when she's describing her first analyst when she was like 13 that she was seeing and and basically they she was starving herself to death out of guilt for like some like initial sexual Mm -hmm. experiences and um and then and eventually like told an analyst that like I'm just like don't I'm like I don't want to be a woman like there's too much negative stuff that goes with being a woman and the analyst was just like except being a woman and I was like no. oh yeah you don't get it at all just like no. men lots not all men but oh wait like I feel like there's always like things where you're like yep women have to do more emotional labor about these things than men have to do and it's true in this book right It was true in the 70s and it's true now what that emotional labor is about might be a little different mm-hmm. but it's there man it's I mean still there
0: I uh I definitely have conversations with my current fiance about that invisible burden of being a woman Mm -hmm. and how it's just always there at the back of your mind and it's a burden that men don't carry. It's a stress burden that's there that's not there for men.
1: Yeah, and Um, even the ones who want to, like, care and understand that struggle to understand it because it's just outside of their experience.
0: I thought that that was a very interesting kind of addition to the book. Um, I would say that... uh, None of the people in this book were likable people. So if you're going into this book wanting a likable woman who discovers herself, I don't think that Isadora is that person.
1: No, but did you read the afterword? I did not. So the author makes a big point. Because in the book, the character talks about how when she was coming of age, she was looking for a female character in a novel Mm -hmm. that was like sexually free and independent and the author of her own life, the holder of her own soul and she couldn't find any examples and the women that were did exist like died for their sins basically died for their independence and so this author really wanted to be even though the character does like have an affair and she's not good she treats everybody badly Mm -hmm. the men treat her badly they're all bad um it was important to the author that she didn't die for her sins you know which which I liked I feel like I didn't even think about The fact that they were, she was terrible while reading it because this book was more about the ideas to me. See, I guess I I liked
0: the ideas, but it felt like, um, to me at least, the way I read this character, she talked the talk, but she didn't really walk the walk. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I found it was discordant to me. Like, I'm okay with you being unlikable if you're doing something really like brave for your generation which she was in this story in a sense but she also like really wasn't because she was very like
1: well she was really conflicted she kept making decisions Mm -hmm. towards independence and then being like oh i really want security but i want independence but i want security and it's impossible for me to love because love is tainted no matter what Mm -hmm. because it's about security and because i can't make my way in the world myself because men will harass me on the street and and which is just like i think all that is legitimate like and but I feel like that's what the book was about was that that how hard it is how hard it was for her to really get what she wanted. I guess it you was just, it
0: was really hard so, to read that yeah. because what um what I would say is a strong female character now is very different than right. what was a strong female character in this novel yeah. or back then, and so it was very um I think there was a lot of value in this book which we're gonna get into, but I did not find her likable because yeah. I didn't think um. That for today's ideology, she's a strong female character. I do think she is a basis of how, like yes. you made a point when we were talking earlier, a basis of how we got to strong female characters. Um, but it's just very, um, it's very discordant to read a book um, that is like a cornerstone in feminism. And then I'm reading it and I'm
1: like, but she's not super like feminist. She's like... Well, I think it's interesting because you can see the arc yeah. of the women's movement because... If in nineteen, like in nineteen fifty, when the feminine mystique was written, that's nonfiction, and it was like a brand new idea that like women were disgruntled because they weren't allowed, being allowed to live out their full identities in the roles that were prescribed to them, right? Mm-hmm. At least rich white women or middle class yeah. white women. There's other issues that that's all that it was about, obviously. Other women always had to work, yeah. etc. But um and but then it's like and then here in 1973 what is considered a shockingly empowered woman is still really conflicted and mm-hmm. still makes decisions that feel not empowering at all yeah. and is still only gets independence by moving to another man which is yeah. like the least feminist thing but then it's like but then now i feel like if a character did that we would feel like she was not a feminist at all yeah. in a book but it's like do we only think that now because of how society has grown over that time and that was why it was it's like weird a, it's a snapshot that was why moment. it was weird yeah. reading this
0: book because you're like i know this is a really feminist novel for that time but it's also not
1: yeah it's a snapshot yeah it's a snapshot so of that like was a interesting
0: moment. so um yeah. yeah, just so going in, know that that's what this is if you choose to read this book, that it's not going to feel like a really, really strong character um, because it's kind of – it's definitely – it's a capsule. It's a time capsule. Yeah. It's a time-cancel book.
1: My So the thing where I was like, oh, I think this book is going to be good was at the very beginning on, like, page 17 when she's, and she's talking about how um, how hard it is to be single, you know, and, I like – um because she's like itchy in her marriage you know she's like not she's really not sure about it. and that how being like solitude is considered un-american mm-hmm. and then she says that even more to the so it's like A woman is always to be presumed to be alone as the result of abandonment, not choice, and she is treated that way as a pariah. There's no dignified way for a woman to live alone. Oh, she can get along financially, perhaps, but not as well as a man. But emotionally, she's never left in peace. Her friends, her family, her fellow workers never let her forget her husbandlessness and her childlessness. Her selfishness, in short, is a reproach to the American way of life. Even more to the point, the woman um even if she knows her unmar- her married friends are unhappy can never let herself alone she lives as if she were constantly on the brink of, brink of some great fulfillment as if she were waiting for prince charming which i was just like i feel like all the single women that i know mm-hmm. like still struggle with that that even though y- you say like oh like my career is going good i have great friends I have great family i've had these hobbies everything's great but still will fundamentally feel inside like something is wrong with them if they're single yeah. You know, and I was just like, there it is. 50 years later still a problem still a for thing. people I know, you know. So tough.
0: <laughs> well, and I thought it was um it was really interesting in this novel too the way the two men interacted with her. So she has her husband Bennett and then also Adrian who she has the affair with. Um and both of these men in their own ways really interact with her like she is an object almost like
1: yeah Uh um
0: and so like bennett is really like doesn't understand why she's not happy in their marriage doesn't understand why she would want anything else like is very confused by it um just says oh go get more psychoanalysis yeah (laughs) analysis basically um and then adrian a calls her the C word in the first sentence of seeing her, which I found very jarring.
1: Yeah, he is British. They say it more than we True. Say it. it's like not as horrible. And horrible as a word. Yeah, but it uh, was it was it was in this book a lot a of times. Lot. And she used it about herself. Also,
0: this is a we can go back to my point about Adrian. But the word like I don't even think I can say it because it has the N word in it. N wordly. Oh yeah. Like to be like cowardly. Yeah was used a lot in this book and I didn't even realize like how like I know what that word means in context but that's just not something we say anymore because
1: it's totally a microaggression yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so it was just
0: interesting because I read it and I was like oh yeah I
1: don't read that in
0: books nobody says that that's not a word Um, there's so
1: many things like that that you say without recently like, like I recently learned that saying like oh like you're being grandfathered in. Like, I had that phone plan, so I'm being... That's a microaggression because it's it's it comes from, if your grandfather can vote, you can vote. Oh. You know, so like, you know it was said to stop black people from voting. So I now, didn't know so that. So now it's like, but there's not a short way to say that without... So it's like, I've been trying not to say it, but... But it's just like There's so many minor. ones like that, yeah. Anyways, tell me about Adrian. Um
0: And so, and then he is just very... Uh, I don't even know what I would use to describe I him. I hate he, him like, so
1: much. Yeah, he's, he's just so like... Gross.
0: He's dirty and aggressive, and he doesn't really want her there, but he,
1: like, invited her with him, and he's very, like... And he's, like, saying, you need to leave your whole life. We're going to wander. But then the whole time, he's planning on meeting his wife on a specific date and his children. And so it's, like, all all his existentialism and don't think about the future is fake. It's only for her. It's It's, it's very He, like,
0: he wants the conquest.
1: Mm Mm-hmm is
0: essentially what he wants like he wanted to feel like he had that power to do that to her that's yeah. what I got from his character yeah um and so both of the men that she's with I just was like internally screaming like don't
1: be with yeah them. both these guys suck be by yourself and wait to meet someone <laughs> don't that's be with them. <laughs> yeah. um yeah and
0: so I just thought that that was it was interesting to read and the like, there's one really bad character and her only way of escape is escaping to another male figure and he's also so a bad. bad.
1: Which is, a, I mean, I feel like.
0: And then her only way of escaping yeah. him is to go back to her husband. Like, right. it's like there's no. Because she's hard,
1: she's hard, she doesn't know how to be by herself. Mm-hmm. Which is still, I still feel like a common problem in people, men and women. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, like. I mean, you've had a f- had. I mean, who hasn't had a friend who's like, "Oh, the person you're dating sucks." Yeah, you know, but you're but they don't want to, you know. But who knows? You can't read other people's motivations, you know. But you would guess maybe that they, they just, just don't, don't want to be, be by alone. themselves. And so I felt like that was felt very real, <laughs> even if it was an extreme case.
0: Yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting because it was like both of the choices. I chose neither. Yeah, neither.
1: Yeah, uh, there was another section where she talks about how. She is a good girl of the 50s and how there were certain sexual myths in the mm-hmm. 50s and one of them is that there's no such thing as rape nobody can rape a woman unless she consents at the last minute the girls in my high school actually used to repeat this piously to each other
0: which is so gross
1: just so gross like we're we're still trying to overcome that 70 years later and then and then the other ones are like that there's two kinds of orgasm you yeah. know and well, like, and one is good and one, one, is, one is bad, bad. And, that, yeah.
0: and then it was interesting too because um she's raped by her first husband yeah. In this book. Um,
1: and almost killed.
0: And almost killed by him. He does have a psychotic break, which is not an excuse, but like there is like... More than free, your average. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, but she is raped by her husband in this, but there's no point in time where she calls it a rape. Yeah.
1: In the because novel. Because
0: M- Rape didn't exist in the Because it wasn't a thing. Yeah. And so that was really interesting reading that because it was just like, and then he kept fucking me, and I asked him to stop, and he wouldn't stop, and he kept doing it, and he asked him to stop, and he wouldn't stop. But It was really traumatizing to read, and I was like, oh, but she has no words even to say that this is rape. Yeah. Because she says rape in other parts of the book, so I'm like, even the author didn't have words to call that rape. No, they didn't exist yet. Um, That's work that which women is, have done since then. Which was just jarring to me. Yeah,
1: even there's a scene where she's like in bed with Adrian and they're asleep, and then her husband shows up and he has sex there. And even that feels like it wasn't really consent. Really rapey. Yeah, it wasn't consent, and 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 he like it's really aggressive. And then they and then she's like, she has words to describe. Oh, maybe that we're gonna become like a. Throttle or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like, and um, and that feels weird too. Uh, mm-hmm. and but yeah, that one also that scene also felt rapey, you know. Yeah, and it was just it was, and it was just such so a power because tr- it was such a power. Tr- it was about power. Rape is about power.
0: Well, and it felt like almost all of her sexual encounters were about power, yeah. and it wasn't her power. Yeah, well, she wanted yeah. it to be her power. There was some really good like talk about like having yeah the ability as a woman She's to just, like 50%. masturbate for your own pleasure, having the yeah. ability to. Um, pleasure your husband in what ways satisfy your needs? So there was some good talk about it, but then in the moment with her significant others in the story, it was always about their wants, not yeah, hers.
1: Because she had to like hold on to mm-hmm. them. Well, just I mean, just like in a world where men and women aren't equal, which they're still not, but they're more equal than they were <laughs> then, can you ever really have a sexual relationship that yeah. is equal? It would be like the exception, not the rule, right? Because it's always if it's, a marriage is always going to be about power if you can't provide for yourself financially independently. If you have if you can't survive in society by yourself Mm and you you have to get married, and it's not really a choice. You have to marry somebody. Can you have a relationship of equals in that in that context? I I think so. (laughs) I also
0: think that this story did a good job at looking at um, fear on multiple levels. So the the whole like overarching analogy of this book with the title is the fear of flying. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, it's her fear of being separate from someone, her being yeah. fear of being on her own. But it's overarched by this idea of fear of flying, and she fear of frying. Fear of frying, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um and she starts the novel talking about how she's scared of flying, which sub note, the way she describes the fear of flying is legitimately my fear of flying. I, I and was thinking I that just the whole time. <laughs> I read it aloud to my fiance and was like, this is what I think on the plane. So I'm gonna read it to you listeners because <laughs> This is how my brain works. In case you ever want to be inside it, which I don't recommend. <laughs> um, so she's talking about how it the plane takes off, um, and then uh, I happen to be convinced that only Mike. My- my own concentration and that of my mother, who always seems to expect her children to die in a plane crash, keeps the spurt aloft. I congratulate myself on every successful takeoff, but not too enthusiastically, because it's also part of my personal religion that the minute you grow overconfident and really relax about the flight, the plane crashes instantly. <laughs> a mo- motto of cautious. Oh, wait uh constant vigilance that's my motto a mood of cautious optimism should prevail but actually my mood is better described as cautious cautious pessimism okay (laughs) i tell myself
1: (gasps) yeah that's i've been with you on many planes and that's exactly what's going through your head
0: i'm gonna say it now i'm gonna be like you know I'm really going to be like channeling mad Mooney with constant vigilance, but also this book, like constant vigilance on the plane. That's my motto. Yeah.
1: There's also a section <laughs> later in the book where she's talking about, is she going to go with Adrian mm-hmm. after the conference? or she going go with her husband? And she talks about maybe the reason what she wants to risk is that she wants to dive so deep in her own fear and see if she can crawl her way out herself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's really good. image. yeah, because that is because tr- I feel like that, like I have to jump and only I can get myself out is like an in- like something you want to do in life sometimes even though you know it might end badly i feel like that is a compelling reason to make some life choices is that like i want to see if i if i can survive it on my own particularly because if her i situation need to know she's i never, can ne- she's always been with somebody you know like
0: i need to know that that's ability yeah. i have
1: let's talk about the um nazism a little bit um before we wrap up because there's a section that really reminded me of several other books that we've read where so she's she's reflecting back at a time when she was first in her this this marriage that they lived in Germany because her husband had been drafted, mm-hmm. and and that it was really hard because she's Jewish and it's only a few you know ten years fifteen years after World War II and she's like weirded out about being in Germany right and that these people were the people who were you know like mm-hmm. all the things that you would expect and that she makes like one friend and um, who was a press correspondent under Hitler and that it was a quasi military position all the news was censored um, that the press corps knew that the people were, the death camps and stuff happened even if the general public didn't but they still cranked out the propaganda and she's like how could you do it and he was and he's like how could I not do it and she's like you could have left germany you could have joined the resistance mm-hmm. you could have done something and then his response is but I'm not a hero and I didn't want to be a refugee journalism is my profession all I'm saying is that most people are not heroes and most people are not honest I don't say I'm good or admirable. All I'm saying is that I'm like most people and that there's, yeah, I was thought that totally was reminded me of waiting for the dark, waiting for the light where it was, you know, he was just like, I just got to put my head down to survive mm-hmm. communism. And it doesn't matter if I know I'm participating in something bad.
0: Well, and it, it was interesting the way this novel talked about, um, the complicity, complic complicity. is that a word? Com- complicity, 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 complicity. Um, <laughs> Um, the German population and not only committing the crimes, but then also burying the memory of them. Yeah. Um, which I think is something that if you read a lot of World War II fiction, like we do, um, you see happen quite a bit because it was just Mm -hmm. like, well, that didn't work out. We gotta, we gotta move on. Like we all have to figure out a way to live our lives. Um, and it's interesting to see it pop it up, pop up in so many, um, novelizations of things that that just was like 100% what happened like the town they're staying in has a Nazi amphitheater up in the hills that the town just pretends doesn't exist they
1: blocked it out of the tourist books that are in the library though there's a refrain in this book like you can't judge a country based on 12 years Mm -hmm. but it's but it's hard because this was a lot close to World War II but I still feel like when we've been talking about World War Two related books that we read for the podcast, we still feel like we blame them, and it's way longer ago. Mm-hmm. And it still feels like it should be a mark on their national character that they need to constantly be repenting for to this day.
0: Similar, we I mean we have own and we have our It's not character. just Germany.
1: <laughs> we certainly have plenty to <laughs> repent for,
0: like maybe the way we like treated our first peoples. But it's fine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like a thousand. There's a thousand things we <laughs> could do. That and it's like, and we should be too, but we're also not.
0: Oh yeah, no, right.
1: And so it's like. It's not. I just think it's really interesting, and in that even if I went to Germany now, I feel like I I would want to go to some of those rem- rem- remembrance places. Mm-hmm. But I w- think I would have the same feelings that she's having of like being uncomfortable. well. And I
0: also I it makes me think sometimes like how this happens this rewriting of your own history. And there's actually a quote in this book that's at one of the chapter headers. All the chapter headers started with quotes about how um, immediately after something happens, we ri- rewrite it in our minds to make it something we can live with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like reading this book, like it's hard to think about, but like our grandparents were married couples of, of this generation.
1: Yeah.
0: Like their marriages were probably much more resembling of the kind of relationships you would see in this book than the kind of relationships we would want to form now. Um, but As I see them as a marriage now, I'm like, oh, that's a really great marriage. I like my grandparents are still together. I think they have a very healthy marriage. But is that just like hiding? Like, you know, all you know what I mean? Like as they grew. So it's just very interesting because it's I think that because our society is still so much dealing with all of our isms. (laughs) (laughs) um, Even now people, our children will probably look back on the way we talk about these kind of things and be like, that was really uninformed. Yeah. And we just don't even know it because our, like, world view yeah. hasn't got there yet, which is just really interesting to think about.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if, like, because of global warming and war and stuff, if we'll, like, we'll go backwards in our lifetime.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I choose not to read articles about global warming <laughs> because I send screen caps of them to Nicole because we're both convinced that the world's going to end. So it's totally fine
1: yeah we're 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 fine it's fine that everything's happening worse. it's like that
0: uh <laughs> that comic with like the rooms on fire and the
1: person's running around he's like i'm fine i'm fine everything's fine yeah that's that's exactly what we're doing i mean we're 30 in 20 years when it's irreversible we'll at least we'll be 50 that's not a really young age to die <laughs> it's not great i mean
0: the die out's gonna be slow yeah. we'll probably get to finish our natural yeah, lives our
1: kids we have kids you know it's, gonna be bleak, it's fine but, and maybe we'll turn it around but it's just interesting because i feel like you can only move towards enlight- an light enlightened society like we have like the story we tell ourselves about civilization mm-hmm. if <laughs> if like some things are if like there's a growing wealth and stuff you know and if we don't we stop having that because yeah. of the things we've done to get it in the past and the consequences that we're getting now yeah What will happen? Will will women become more dependent on men again for safety? Will you want to be with a man more for safety in that world? I don't know. Maybe that's like a little bit too like sci-fi. No, but it is a really interesting
0: question. I mean, that
1: is... If we live in a world where there isn't the same kind of medical care in this country that we have now and women have more children...
0: And you have to and be you able, have to. you have to have somebody to defend you when you're pregnant. Yeah, and like,
1: yeah. it's a different it's world, right? It's like a Maslow hierarchy of needs thing. Yeah. yeah. I
0: don't know. It's really, it's really sometimes hard to read these books and be like, civilization's doomed.
1: <laughs> but then all, but then it's also like, but it's getting better. Because so, so, yeah. so many of the books are fundamentally about, is does literature matter? And then we always read those books and we're like, yes, it matters, it matters, it matters. it's important. <laughs> it's important, like there's goodness in humanity, even if oh. there's a lot of evil, you know? That's what – that's, like, that's why we read and why people write.
0: Well, and, I mean, I, too, think, like, this book, if a woman hadn't have had thoughts like this and if there hadn't have been a feminist, like, revolution of ideas, um, I wouldn't be having conversations with my fiancé about the invisible burden of being a woman. Like, that that – that conversation and that ability to say something like that and have an actual conversation about it rather than it just being like, oh, you're just thinking about phallus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is a direct evolution of these kind of ideas that um, grew in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. I mean, starting even in the, like, late 1800s when they were getting the right to vote. Um, And so...
1: In the afterward, the author says that, like, so many times people, what women say is you wrote down what I was thinking and that like, oh yeah, when I was, and their response is like, yeah, I decided to like sleep with that guy or not sleep with him because of this book. And that even though she feels like, oh, I was so young when I wrote this, like and my feelings mm-hmm. have like I've, gr- I've grown and stuff. But then the fact that she wrote something that had such an impact on people's real lives, you know, um, is meaningful. Even if now she's like, oh, I'm embarrassed by how like naive and young I was when I wrote this, you know? and i think that's really good and she also says but yeah that it's like this natural evolution and that there's m- more to go um but it's true that like feminism as a like societal movement mm-hmm. um it had to happen it happened in like individual lives and in bedrooms and in you know behind yeah. closed doors and and that we like our generation is definitely Reading a lot of benefits of these, I and mean, yeah. um,
0: this book. Last point before we decide if it belongs mm-hmm. on the list is very lowly rated on Goodreads. It only has a three point four, um, and when it's you low. look at why, it's because people say it's dated.
1: Mm-hmm. So there are parts parts are dated, and then parts where I'm like, "Wow, that still rings too true," I mean, well, and that the makes...
0: relationships are, are dated relationships between people, yeah. and which is I which is what I kind of touched on. So then it's interesting because now we have to decide, yeah. even if it. Even if this is not our current model of what someone who's a strong feminist woman should look like in a relationship, is it still important to the ethos of...
1: Yeah. Is it foundational? Yeah. Okay. So do we think this is a book that everyone should read before they die? Yes. yes. It's hesitant, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say yes because I think this is in the foundational in its genre kind of category mm-hmm. because I think it was important in a social movement and also... A- personal taste i feel like this book talks about issues that have ev- most of the books that i read that mm-hmm. aren't for the podcast are about these themes right like that's that's what i'm seeking out. i think so. i
0: would say that's probably why you and i can see that it's foundational in the in the genre whereas people who don't yeah. and so i think that it's a good touchstone to see where like the feminist movement came from and how far it's come yeah um, and how lucky we are to be living, even though sometimes it feels like we're not, <laughs> um, to be living in today's age and be able to have more conversations like this. Sorry. Um, Pig is very much all over me today. Hi, kitten. Um, so yeah. And then now we shall move on to our second segment of the evening where we're going to do a Would You Rather Yay. book quiz from BuzzFeed. Um and it has about 20 questions i think i'm going to choose my favorite 10 to ask you nicole excellent and we can see which ones we like better would you rather secretly love a book everyone else hates or secretly hate a book everyone else loves
1: secretly love a book everyone else hates
0: you are with 58% of the population on that one
1: cuz i think it's more worse when like everybody like like when you if you hated twilight and it was everywhere yeah. it would get really annoying you know Though
0: now we hate Twilight. but now we
1: hate it but in the moment we were caught yeah. up just like everybody else
0: <laughs> Would you rather be stuck on a very long plane or train ride without a book
1: Oh Plane cuz then at least you probably have a TV train you don't have that
0: Even split Um Would you rather date a character you have a crush on or your <laughs> crush from real life Oh, oh.
1: Um, book, character, book character for sure. For sure. Um, they probably have magical powers in my case. So <laughs> 63% with agree with us. Yeah. That's a great one.
0: Oh. Would you rather have your favorite book turned into a movie or your favorite movie turned into a book? I think both of these would be awful.
1: Yeah, probably movie into a book because, you know, they're always screwed up if they make a book into a movie.
0: It's a book based And the book would it. probably
1: be really bad, the movie of the book.
0: You are in the mi- minority.
1: Oh. They, book adaptations are usually so terrible. Oh, this is a good one, too. Would you rather read a book
0: with an annoying cliffhanger or one where your favorite character is killed off?
1: Oh, we were just talking about this. Uh-huh. Um, annoying cliffhanger. Yeah.
0: Everybody agrees with you. <laughs> I do, too. Would you rather lose the ability to read any new books or the ability to reread books you've already oh, read?
1: Oh gosh, both of those I oh, know. This one, is, I w-
0: I, I'm not going to look until I answer it. I to. wouldn't
1: want to be limited to just the books I've read for the rest of my life. So I'd probably, I'd rather not be able to reread, even though that would be horrible. But if I could only read what I've already read forever, that would be worse. I
0: mean, like, Harry Potter's made into movies, so at least I'd still have the movies.
1: Yeah, and I've read those enough times I could just, like, reenact them in my mind (laughs) if
0: I had to. 79% of the population agrees with us. The population that took this BuzzFeed quiz, which is 100,000, more than 100,000 people. So So
1: that's a lot. That's a sample. Uh, Maybe not a representative sample, but a sample.
0: Oh. Oh, God, this one's terrible. I, would you rather lose your place or get a paper cut every time you read a book? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, lose your place because I read too often. That would be like a paper cut every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be mean, I mean, like bleeding.
0: Um, would you rather have to always read in the dark or always read books with tiny text?
1: Ooh. Um, I like say tiny text. Tiny text, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, they agree with us. OK, I'm going to find t- Oh, that was the last one. Oh, oh wait, hang on. I skipped one because I thought it was 20 and it was only 10. So let me go back. OK. Um, OK, last question. Would you rather have dinner with your favorite author or your favorite character?
1: Character. Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> me too.
1: My favorite one was the one, would you rather date your crush in real life or your oh, crush? Oh,
0: literary crush. All the way. Can I date and marry Rysand?
1: <laughs> yeah, he would be the one. I would uh, choose.
0: <laughs> all day, any day.
1: <sighs> uh, that's really great.
0: Yay. Well, um, we hope you enjoy. Oh, we next draw book. For book 37. I'm so, I forget that every episode. Every episode,
1: yeah. I-, I always try to prompt you, but sometimes you get ahead of me. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to draw. Here it is. Bum, it's called The Leopard. I think this is an older book, like an 1800s book, about game, big game hunting in colonial Africa, and it'll be that's really a terrible. Good
0: and racist. idea. <laughs> um, I also am just waiting for the day when you do a literal one.
1: Well, I was just like, I think it's about a leopard because that's what yeah. you were going to say. <laughs> um, I never feel free to do that because you're going to do it.
0: I think it's about. I, I feel like it's probably going to be racist. I just feel like... It has that feeling in it. Yeah, it I feel developing. like it's going to be, like, Jungle Booky. Yeah,
1: not good. It might be, like, Heart of Darknessy. y Um. Also, w- when we did Fear of Flying and you took the literal answer, you were kind of right. She did have a Fear of <laughs> Flying. A literal Fear of Flying. <laughs> uh, so, that's really sometimes... Okay. Yeah, sometimes it's true. My I mean, the Mandarins wasn't about a Mandarin orange... it was about what I guessed kind of like the theme I guess so
0: (laughs) well we hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time be sure to
1: you can follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at 1001 books pod or on Litzy at 1001 books podcast or email us at
0: 1001 books podcast at gmail.com
1: hey listeners
0: we're really excited to take some time at the end of this episode to cue you into something really cool we're doing this weekend
1: We are participating in the 24 and 48 book reading challenge, where you try to read for 24 hours in a 48-hour weekend. So we
0: look forward to giving you that episode in a few weeks from our very tired states,
1: I'm sure. Yeah, expect it to be an audio diary checking in throughout our 48 hours. (laughs) Until next time, happy Happy reading. reading!